Welcome to the latest episode of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they've got of my age. So today my guest is Bianca Robinson, who is currently the CEO of Sleep Out UK, which is an organisation where business leaders can unite to fight homelessness across the UK. And so far, Bianca has raised three million pounds from over 5,000 participants and I'm sure has changed countless lives. So thank you so much for, for joining me today, Bianca. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you now have today? Oh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, nice to be here, Grace. Um, yeah, I wasn't I, I probably was was always meant to do this, but also never meant to do this, if you know what I mean. So I started out in New Zealand and I went to um, the School of Design and Architecture at Victoria University, Wellington, because I actually wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps. He ran um, an advertising agency and that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I majored in advertising um, visual communications design. And what you do as a Kiwi is because you see the world almost like through a fishbowl, um, it's all happening, but it's so far beyond your reach. It just seems so far away. You're getting all this media from the States and from the UK. I mean, we grew up with EastEnders and things like that. Um, you, everybody tends to get their degree. And I say everybody because literally everybody tends to get their degree and just head off around the world. It's called the Big OE. So Kiwis do this and we get on a plane and we go elsewhere to try and figure out what the world's all about without having to watch it through a TV screen. So I did and I went to the States and I landed in Colorado and did a season snowboarding there. Then I went off to New York. <laughs> yeah. um, and then from New York I went to London and I, and, um, I was a nanny. But then I thought, I actually I can't do this. I've got to step into um, my actual career. So a job came up at a place called PI Advertising. I thought, oh, yeah, well, I wanted to do advertising. So that sounds like it's for me. But actually what that was, it wasn't it was not an advertising agency. It was more of a promotions company and it was hardcore commission only sales. So I would go into office buildings and with a piece of paper that said you can get your hair done 10 times over the next four months for 40 quid and you can have highlights and you can have this, that and the other and blowways. And I would sell a piece of paper literally for 40 pounds. And if I sold 10 of those on the day, I'd make 400 pounds. <laughs> because that's what I'd make in my, um, in my, yeah, in, in, in my pocket. So, so I actually did okay and set up an office of doing that in Edinburgh. Um, and, um, in the meantime, had twins, went back to New Zealand and came back. But um, landed some some jobs and agencies once I got back, and from there, and I know this is a very long answer, Grace, but you did ask. <laughs> from there, um, uh, I started an agency, a, a web and digital agency, actually, with with um, some fellow uh, business owners, and ended up selling my share back to them, and freelanced, and I was freelancing. I was lecturing at Newcastle and York St. John University and I was juggling sort of um, roles. I guess what you would call it is, is um, uh, what's the word? Um, not freelancing, but um, 
contract employment roles. And I got a phone call from the chairman of CEO Sleep Out called Eddie Preston, and he said to me, can you help me? (laughs) He'd grown it to over a million pounds in funds raised just in his spare time um, with his PA. They'd driven around the country kind of making this event work in Liverpool and Manchester and London and Newcastle. Um, but he just couldn't do it. And and he ended up being the elected mayor of Middlesbrough, so he didn't have the time anyway. So I came on board. I said, look, I'll give you two days a week. And that two days a week soon changed my life. And it changed into, you know, it, was, it soon became um, eight days a week because <laughs> uh, it just basically ate up my whole entire life. And, and we just worked out a way to manage the other jobs that I was doing, kind of wind them down so I could take over at CEO Sleep Out, which I have done. So since I came on board, that was 2017, uh, we've gone on to raise um, 3.8 million and um, we've just expanded the amount of towns and cities we could do these events in. Um, and yeah, it, it just keeps on rolling on and growing. But it is a bit like the Wizard of Oz. If you pull back the curtain, even though we've got an, a really great national reputation and um, I guess we feel like the charity is is kind of getting that traction in terms of its brand recognition. If you if you if you pull back the curtain, it's still just me. I'm the only full time employee. I do manage a, a team of volunteers nationally, an army of volunteers I call them, and I do have people helping me on a contract basis doing bits and pieces like social media. But um, really, the bulk of the work is just me, and it can be up to twenty events a year that I'm I'm running, I'm hosting, and I'm also sleeping out. So that is my journey in a very long-winded way towards um, how I got to CEO Sleep Out. Brilliant. So the, I, I know that you went to the University of Canterbury. Um, how important do you think actually is to go to university, especially with, you know, graduate schemes and apprenticeship schemes and lots of different things that companies now offer young people? Yeah, I think it's um, not as important as it might have been when I went. I think it was absolutely a way to guarantee your way into a job and a career uh, back back in the 90s when I went to university. So I actually went to two universities. I went to the University of Canterbury first for a year, and then I transferred to the School of Design at Victoria University in Wellington. But I've got twins who are 23 years old, and they turned 24 in January, Grace. And what I said to them was, don't feel you have to go to university because the world's a very different place now. And if you've got something that you're really interested in, you're talented at, um, something that floats your boat and you can see yourself having a career and that might be vocational, go and do that. Uh, because I just don't believe anymore that a degree is your golden gateway to having the career you want. Uh, and there's many, many different ways of finding a path into doing a something that you want to do be something that you love and see something that you're good at definitely so the world is changing so much and also very quickly at the same time so perhaps what do you think work for women may look like in 10 years time or instead what do you hope it may look like well I do think flexible working has been game-changing for women um, so I think in COVID and pa- the pandemic, I think this whole idea of allowing people to work from their, from their home, um, maybe not 100% of the time, but in a flexible way, is going to allow women to step into those more demanding roles, those more um, powerful roles, 
um, get the higher paid work and actually show the world what women can do. Because when you are beholden to a nine to five and you've got, say, you're juggling a family, it's not just the demands of perhaps small children on you, which can be hugely physically demanding, but it's also very emotionally demanding. So if you've been up at three in the morning with a baby that won't settle, you've got to close the door and walk into a workplace for nine o'clock the next day. You're still, you're carrying exhaustion, but you're also still carrying an emotional burden. Um, and it's really, really hard to segment your life in that way. And I think that flexible working has allowed for women to actually bring their A game on a time scale that works for them. So you'll get better productivity, you'll get a higher quality of work because it's things like juggling a family, but also our bodies monthly, our bodies aren't our friends sometimes and, and we can work around that and 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 actually that can save us from potential disasters happening. Um so so absolutely I think more flexible working and we will start to see more women in in, in, in these more powerful roles, um the FTSE one hundred, etc. Um and I would like to see more of that continue. I think we need to encourage innovation. We need to con- encourage female entrepreneurship and female investorship. And I think with that and with the surge in social enterprises and so- socially led businesses, you will actually see women at the forefront of that type of business. Definitely. So throughout your career, have you had perhaps any mentors or has there been anyone that you ever looked up to or admired? Absolutely. Mentors are really hugely important, I think. And I mentor now other younger women and actually some uh, women the same age as myself, um, but at different parts of, parts of their career journey. When I was uh, talking about that very first organisation that I worked for, the promotions company, the sales company, I didn't realise it was a mentor, but my boss actually was quite a big mentor to me. Um, and a lot of the ways I live my life now are down to some of the wisdoms that she imparted to me. Um, and some of those are, are small things, but small things that you learn. And some of them are really life changing ways of looking at the world. And I think a mentor can help you just. Well, two things. I think a mentor can give you confidence and wings to to fly and try out your own stuff. Um a mentor shouldn't steer you down any particular path, but help you work out the potential pitfalls and pros and cons so that you can come to a really sane uh, conclusion for yourself. So, 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 yeah, I think I've always had mentors. I think there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So that, what that means is mentors will pop into your life. Um when needed, and they might not always come wearing a big sign saying, I'm a mentor. So it might not be an official mentoring program, but there will always be somebody that you can look to in life, I think, and this has been true in my life, and taken a, you know, taken a lead from or used as an example or a guide to help you navigate some of life's uh, curveballs. Um, at the minute, I do mentor through uh, a local mentoring program. Um, I'm actually mentoring three different people at the moment and I don't have at the moment I don't have an official mentor 
but I've got lots of people that I go to to bounce ideas off. I also agree. I think mentors are such a great thing to both be the mentee and the mentor. I think both people, you know, learn so much from each other. I think definitely hearing about these different experiences, either from people who are younger or like older than you can definitely give you a new perspective in whatever you're doing and what maybe whatever you're asking for help in. Right. And actually, at the moment, there's a big trend in reverse mentoring. So women my age uh tapping into the wisdom of younger people, um, or not just women, but younger people who kind of understand the social media landscape a bit better. They're a bit more savvy when it comes to, to all of that stuff. Um, they can offer insight into how Gen Z and the upcoming generation, I think it's called Generation Alpha, think and the mindsets because they're very, very different. So there's actually a big need for this reverse mentoring and actually understanding that the learning you you can learn new things from somebody much younger than you as well as somebody who's been there and already trodden the path definitely so as part of our reach that generation summits we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities do you think as a society we are seeing you know some more equality in areas of our lives and you know especially in your field of work yeah absolutely and it's growing all the time um what I what I'd like to see more of it, and I wonder what the structures are that 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 are holding people back. I think it's poverty. I don't think it's necessarily. Um, I think I think I think poverty is what definitely keeps people trapped. And what you find is that African descent people and Caribbean descent people, uh, Bangladeshi descent people. Um, there's a few different ethnic minorities that don't show up in the FTSE 500 as much or they, they don't show up in roles of prominence. And when you actually look into the data, it's it, it, it's poverty. And so I think it's how do we create opportunities for people to escape their circumstances or to climb out if they want to. And there's a phrase, you know, putting the ladder down. But I think it's more than that. I think what I try and encourage businesses to do is to take responsibility for their role in society. And I do believe that SME leaders and business leaders are are responsible for strengthening the very fabric of communities and society. And one of the ways they can do that is look for these people and give them pathways into opportunities. So really take an active role in saying, right, where's the talent? Looking for it, finding it, and actually letting those people know, right, if you do this, we can create a pathway for you to get into really good employment. So that needs to happen more. But a CEO sleep out event, we have these businesses in the room. We use that as a, not not to sledgehammer them, but a way to plant seeds around that idea of their response, their social responsibility. Um, and if even 1%, because, you know, I talked to, hundreds of business leaders in any given year and if one percent of the people I talk to go away and actually look at their business and say right where can I create these opportunities then I think that we're game changing at that point things change yeah I completely agree so what tips would you think that you would give girls around my age maybe a bit younger maybe a bit older when they start to think about you know their own careers and their future and the path that they want to take yeah, I think that you're going to experience um, some highs, 
some lows. You should brace yourself because there will be things that you consider to be a failure, but I promise you that when you actually take stock of it, you won't consider it to be a failure. You consider it to be a, a redirection um, or a learning opportunity. And you are actually built for it. You're here for all of it. And, you know, we are made for this stuff. We have to try things out. We can't be afraid. We have to try and be fearless, even when, you know, it scares the shit out of us. Because that's how we move forward. And that's how we grow. So I would say, you know, don't expect a smooth path. A lot of people see success and they think, oh, yeah, she's gone from hero to zero to hero like that. It's never like that. It's a squiggly line and your knees will get scraped and you'll get bruised along the way. And that's absolutely okay. Women are tough enough, you know, and young girls are tough enough for it. So, listen, set your sights high and just get out there and say yes to opportunities. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. And, you know, not everyone's career path is you know as you said a smooth path and I think knowing from the beginning that it's not going to be smooth and that you will have to get through these challenges probably offers people a bit of motivation to think yeah I can do this it may be hard but I will get to the point that I want yeah. to be at and I think and, and, and one of my daughters and the, the twins but one of my daughters um decided to go down a path of um, the acting path in, in, in her kind of teens and she went up for auditions and, and went up for, for you know the big drama schools and things and, and didn't get in and she every single time you could see it was absolutely gutting for her but over that time she built resilience and I actually think resilience is one of the most important characteristics that somebody who's going out into the world of business um, wants to have a career you know, it's just so important for, for, for you to develop it. But the thing about resilience is you, it doesn't come, you, it doesn't come inbuilt. You have to experience things that build resilience. So don't be afraid of that, is all I would say. Yeah. So hypothetically, if you could spend an hour just chatting to say three people over a coffee or a tea in this makeshift cafe, you can have literally whatever you want, it's your choice. Who would they be? Um, Brene Brown, author, uh, inspirational woman, talks about um, all of the things that I've talked about, resilience, but talks about courage and cur- the courage um, coming stemming from vulnerability. When you can actually be vulnerable, it takes the greatest courage. So when you're out there doing something, um, at least you're the one out there doing it. The, the people in the peanut gallery, you know, judging you, they don't matter because <laughs> they haven't got the same level of courage that you've got. So, so Brene Brown is one. I think Madonna. I want to. I want to pick Madonna's brains because I think she is, for my generation, a phenomenal trailblazer. Um, and even my daughters, who are 24, like I've said, they can't. They don't really get it. But when I was 12, there was nobody out there claiming their female power in the way that Madonna did. Beyonce is doing it now, and there's lots of artists that are kind of in that in that frame now. But um, yeah, definitely Madonna kind of shaped my ideas about what women are capable of. So I'd love to sit down with Madonna. Um, who else might I love to sit down with? Caroline Lucas. She is the only Green MP in Parliament, so that must be a very lonely place to be. But I really admire her. She's held 
people's toes to the fire on many, many occasions, some crazy stuff she stands up for. Um, so I'd really love to pick her brains and find out how she does it. Right. I think it's, uh, those are some great people. I'm sure they'd be very interesting. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Bianca. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own futures and in their own careers, too. So keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our upcoming summit will be at reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our partners and sponsors, Experian, Barclays, Domestic in General, Staffline and the Ardonna Group. Thank you.